the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 82, recorded Friday, March 15th, 2013. Rose-colored glass. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I will be your tour guide. Uh, thanks so much for joining us uh, with us this week. We have Mr. George Tucker. Uh, he's a high muckety-muck at World Stage. How are you, sir? I'd be a low muckety-muck, but thank you very much. I'm doing well. You're an engineering coordinator. Two very important words put together in one, like jumbo shrimp. Exactly. Oxymoron. Peanut butter and jelly. Oxymoron. <laughs> Intelligent politician. Chris Netto is here. From He is the uh, AV consultant. Uh, oh, he's the AV consultant from AV Help Desk. How are you, sir? How are you? Doing well. Uh, also, Michael Drainer is here. He is the area sales manager for Sennheiser USA uh, in the flyover country, which is also known as the Midwest. How are you, sir? Very good. Good to be back. And last but not least, we have a newbie, but we have a, a very special newbie, and we'll talk about why he's he's special. Uh, his name is Joshua Stackhouse. He's sales engineer for um, uh, sales uh, engineer for American Television. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, this week, we wanted to kick around actually quite a different, a, a, a cornucopia of topics. Everything from Infocom and fake study books uh, to the TiVo Mini to Lutron. Uh, but first, let's kick it off with the reason that actually uh, that Josh uh, kind of piqued my interest on the world of, of Twitter and, and AV. Josh, you recently, you are a recent college graduate, so congratulations there. Thank you. But the the degree that you have is what makes it interesting. Um, your degree is from the Madison Media Institute, and it's an AAS, and if you don't know what AAS is, AAS is an Associate of Applied Science, in Electronics Audiovisual Systems. That's correct. So you have a flipping AV degree. Yes, I do. Bigfoot that, has been found. That is awesome. <laughs> talk, talk a little bit about how, uh, how you came upon the, the program and, and how, how it kind of works for you guys. Well, uh, ironically, I just discovered it the same way a lot of people do trade schools is by watching a, a commercial at 3 a.m. as I was sitting around in my boxers eating Cheetos. So, <laughs> Thank you uh, for that visual, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I was sitting watching TV and I saw this commercial. Uh, and the thing was, uh, I had been thinking about going AV because I was an IT guy for eight years, four with the U.S. Navy. Um, and I wanted to go AV for a long time. Uh, I had my first taste when I was in the Navy doing like, the Via Video by Polycom and the sound station uh, and, you know, the little work here with telecom and security systems and stuff. And it just kind of got in my blood. So about seven years goes by from the time I leave the Navy in 2005 and I see this commercial for this program that's all about AV. I go and check it out. I get enrolled and they blew me out of the water. I mean, uh, the program is really extensive. It covers everything from life safety systems and fire control panels to uh, a whole, you know, million dollar home theater design. 
and everything in between. And it covers the installation as well as the, the design. And we do do both. So I'm an installer and I'm an engineer. Wow. So when, who, who runs the program there at, at Madison? Uh, there's a guy by the name of Steve Briggs. Um, he's the chairperson of the program. And uh, dude's been around the AV world. He's actually a CDS certified designer. Uh, he's only one of two in the state of Wisconsin. Wow. Um, uh, you know, he's been around forever. I mean, he's the kind of guy who goes out and has drinks with Dr. Uh, Dr. Harmon. So, uh, and then my other instructors uh, are Ben Engwall. Uh, guy's like a 17-year vet in the industry. He's done insulation design of all kinds. Um, and then I also have Darren Llewellyn, who is my electronics instructor, who been in the electronics industry for about 15 years uh went to college for electronics engineering and then my fourth instructor uh primary instructors uh was a guy by the name of jeff shane who's been doing construction since he was like five with his dad and he taught us the stuff about construction and safety pathways for cabling and how to have x-ray vision when you're looking at a wall to know you know what's going to be behind there so you can plan when you're doing your site visit as well as how to work successfully on a job when things are still being built out during the rough-in stage. So it's a pretty robust program with some really heavy hitters for instructors. So you have a course on how to have x-ray vision? Yes. yes. You mean, you mean I don't have to buy the little glasses out of the back of the catalog anymore? That's cool. uh, no, actually, I just got them from Sony. It was the rejection. Well, the- <laughs> you know what? If you, if you bought them from Sony, take them back. Um, real quickly, just, just to give a kind of a shout-out to, to your college and the program, um, how can people find out about the, about the program? You can go to mediainstitute.edu, or you can just check them out on Twitter at Madison Media. Very cool. Well, I, yeah, it's it's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to meet you because this this is one of those things that, honestly, I think since the the second or third show we've been talking about an actual AV degree and and yes, you are the four leaf clover. You are the unicorn. You you are, you are the uh, the discovery. Uh, and that this is very cool. So uh, welcome and congratulations on your degree. Oh, thank you. Um, all right, uh, real quickly, guys, and I'm gonna. Uh, this is uh, talking about degrees and certifications and things of that nature. Um, uh, Infocom sends out emails from time to time, and they, you know, hey, listen to this or watch this. Listen to Infocom today with the fabulous George Tucker as the host. Um, and one of the ones that they sent out this past week kind of grabbed my attention. Uh, it was there's a new CTS exam guide coming in June. You can take your test, you can take your CTS in Infocom. And oh yeah, by the way, there are some fake books out there. <laughs> um, I shouldn't say fake. Unauthorized Bootleg. bootlegs, yes. Uh, unauthorized study guides. Uh, Chris, is this a big deal that these are unauthorized? I mean, because here's the thing. These are uh, books written by other people, not authorized by Infocom International uh, specifically. But is it a big deal that, that these books are out there? Uh, yes, okay. especially for the way that CTS is structured now uh, with its uh, certification with uh, ANSI. These are these are tests that you're going to a Prometric uh, office to go take. And if you've ever been to a Prometric testing center, it is brutal. Uh, it is quiet. It's horrible. You're sitting there with 15, 20 people that are uh, doing all different types of tests uh, and, and the pen taps are driving you nuts because, you know, they're <laughs> they're sitting there with their scrap paper and, and doing stuff. But if you are going to take a test that is certified and given at these tests, at these test locations, the material that you studied, it will be on your uh, exam. 
So if you're going to get some bootleg um, guides, uh, chances are you're going to probably miss a, a portion of what they um, what they're looking for, and these answers are going to be specific to what was in the text guides. You know, uh, that happened. Well, not that I can say I bought a bootleg CTS book, but I took the PMP. And the PMP was very, very specific in the wording and how they want things done. You know, you can't just go walk in there, for example, with, with project management experience and, and just expect to pass it because they have their processes and the way they say things and have things worded. And CTS has been known, you know, to, you know, want the exact thing that was basically taught to you or that you studied. So that's why I th that's my point of view. All right, George, besides the fact that it's it's prometric and it it, it, it is ANSI certified and, and the whole CTS thing is is, you know, down to the T, it's very official. Um it, the fact that somebody might be, you know, trying to I don't know, circumnavigate the the official rules here. Is that what makes this such a big deal? I don't know if it's so much that is that it's changed as as Chris said. Um I'm sure that Infocom wants only the official stuff for many reasons, but you know, let's see this as a as a mark of fame, though, as a mark of acceptance that there are at least two two individuals who publish books about the test. That's remarkable. It's not just an insider thing anymore. There's somebody actually trying to make money off it. That means that it's got traction and it's recognition. Um, My, you know, all aside from that, sort of saying piracy and uh, you know imitation is the greatest thing of flattery. It is right though. It's not going to be adequate for the, what they're doing now, and I don't think anyone can keep up with what Infocom's doing, so there's no use of getting anything but the official stuff. Michael, you, I think you're the most recent CTS taker here. Um, so is this a big deal? Cause you could, could you have used this boot, bootleg copy? I didn't need a book. Oh! No. <laughs> <Man>. um, <laughs> wow. No, I'm just kidding. All joking aside, you know, I, here's what it comes down to. Uh, rules and everything, forget about them. What it comes down to is the fact you're paying a couple hundred bucks to take an accredited test. And if you want to take the risk of buying a unauthorized or uh, a bootleg or whatever the case may be, and I don't know that this is necessarily talking about bootlegs or copyright infringement as much as just somebody else's rendition of what they think you should study to take the test, um, I, I think you're kind of foolish in that regard. Um, you know, you're, you're putting forth the time, you're putting forth the money. Make sure you're getting the right material to study. That's simply what it comes down to. So, Josh, did you ever get crib notes when you were in, uh, in, in school? Well, uh, <laughs> no, but the interesting thing about my training, like I said, is that probably about 70% of what's on the CTS exam was my curriculum for 18 months. Um, we are a CDS certified educational partner, and uh, my textbooks are stuff like all the trade publications that Infocom produces, the big fat binder that doesn't fit on a bookshelf, and you guys know which one I'm referring to, mm -hmm. the AV Design Manual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the CDA uh, Installers Best Practices Handbook, the Project Management Book that Infocom makes. These are the things that were part of my texts. Um, and so I've learned by their standards. But one of the things, um, as it was said, that stands out to me about the uh, exam uh, and these books is, uh, you know, I'm an IT guy before I was an AV guy, and uh, I used to study for my A-plus exam before I just gave up because it really wasn't holding as much traction as it used to. But there's guys like Mike Myers out there who have been writing the A-plus exams all-in-one guides for years, and people swear up and down by it. 
And it's not like CompTIA was, you know, uh, out there trying to choke the death, uh, choke to death the the market on the educational materials. And so, my background, you know, having seen IT during the late '90s, early 2000s, come up with the certifications, is that this is a good indication if people are, uh, you know, writing materials that uh, it's a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I can see that. And I also, to George's point, the fact that we're there, the industry is gaining traction in Infocom and the, and the test is gaining traction. Um, you know, Im- imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, um, if sometimes it's the most illegal form of flattery as well. So, uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, from uh, It is, you know. Mm-hmm. By the way, a real funny story, uh, side story. Um, somebody is has um, uh, pirated the Pirate Bay site and now Pirate Bay is suing them for copyright infringement. <laughs> and moving on. Uh, law and order. Sorry. Uh, from, uh, from Ars Technica. Uh, the, a new Apple-Samsung lawsuit uh, is coming down. Uh, does anybody care about this effect, except for the fact that it's Apple and it's Samsung? It's the Hatfields and the McCoys again. Oh, man. Listen, they, all, they both have a market. They both have a market, and they both have their their, their people. I am I am not a an, an Apple iPhone owner. I actually don't have any of that cool gadgets. I'm not artistic, I guess. I don't need that. I I, I don't know. Uh, Ouch! But, I, I, I take that personally. <laughs> I don't. As I'm looking at my iPad and have my iPhone in my hand. <laughs> yeah, very artsy, very creative. I I, I just I don't see it. I. I have a Samsung Note 2 now, and I'm very happy with it. And that's now a plug for Samsung. Tomorrow it could be HTC. I have no no favorite there, but these guys are just constantly battling. And it's pretty much now come down to two major players in the you know mobile electronics field with Samsung and Apple. They're the only one. Samsung's the only one right now that's carrying any bit of like a cool factor to it, uh, as opposed to you know Apple. Apple's got its followers, got its you know trendy people that like it i think samsung's finally made some some way and it's it's taken a while but i love to see this battle this is they're, they're gonna they're, they're gonna hurt themselves <laughs> but but is it really a battle to even be had i mean like you said there's room for both people to play mm-hmm. you know you go to your side of the tracks we go to our side of the tracks and and we'll all have fun not happening i, I can't yeah it's it's the, it's the business world i know, you know i know i know it's just it's it's yeah Anyway. And what's funny to me though is the fact that you've got you know Apple who the reason they're 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 going back and forth honestly let's be honest is is mobile right is tablets and phones but I I don't know I, I see this as more Apple being the old man the old guy on on top of the throne who's ticked off because the young Turk is is taking um, part of his kingdom so I don't, know. I don't know they they can continue fighting all they want until. Google Glass becomes a real deal and affordable. Mm-hmm. And then they're both going to go, what just where, happened? Where did you come from? Yeah. You think yeah. that, you yeah. think that and, Google Glass and, is going to be that much of a change? You know what? I just saw some stuff on Google Glass not too long ago at a conference, and it was from one of their competitors talking about it. And it, it, it will. I mean, think about the applications in the commercial AV world. What is this going to do to projectors? What is it going to do to displays? How is this going to be used in, in EDU? You get a set of glasses. You're you're now watching the presentations in the classwork 
wherever you want. It opens up a whole new area of this. Uh, you know, everybody's looking at the cool, trendy things, jumping out of planes, watching, you know, people going, you know, 100 miles an hour and watching what they're watching. I see it from a business from a from a business perspective and for what we do. Yeah, it's going to it's 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 real. It's it's uh, inside the helmet of uh, Tony Stark. It's RoboCop. It's it's all them things that we grew up watching that is just like, wow, it's going to happen. See, and I I'd never even considered it from an AV standpoint because I've looked at it more as a personal consumption device, not a mass consumption device. Well, see, I'm, I'm shooting for the title of futurist. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> Is that futurist or optimist? Well, it's both. both. I'm futuristically optimistic. <laughs> there, there we go. are. <laughs> well, you know, Tim, I, uh, I've been thinking about this for quite some time because I've been following the Glass Project rather carefully and... I'm actually one of those people who's waiting for it to come down in price so I can buy it because I worship everything Google. But uh, I definitely think that it's not just our industry, like Chris said, that'll affect it. But uh, it's also going to be things like doctors and lawyers, surgeons and uh, engineers. Well, this would just be the first step in being able to wear a device that can give them access to infinite amounts of information. Think of it. Okay. How about thinking it from a perspective of somebody who is disabled? Okay. You now, you now have everything in front of you with voice control, and you can do whatever you want. You know, you don't have to type on the computer. You can now just say what you need to say and see everything in front of you if you have a hard time moving around. You know, they're, they're, they're onto something. Obviously, it won't help somebody if they can't see, but, I mean, it's... Oh, you know. give them time. And I'm sure they're the brainwave thing will eventually okay, right. <laughs> come it, into play. Hey, the Geordie visors are real. <laughs> you can't drive a spaceship worth a lick but well, sure. yeah that's a whole nother story it wasn't him it was it was picard who couldn't now who couldn't direct i just, just want to point out that i'm not a star wars guy i mean excuse me not a star trek guy i'm more of a star wars guy so blaster shield is what i would refer to there we go, <laughs> there we go. Nice. uh george since we brought google into this mix um is there maybe a, a future for for samsung you know getting on the on the glass uh front and maybe eventually we'll see a Apple versus Samsung versus Google versus Apple versus Samsung versus Google lawsuit going on. I'm not so sure that Google's actually going to get into the actual hardware. I mean, as look, Samsung is the single largest provider of Android based products, are they not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is what Apple's fearing is that the iPhone has sort of leveled off. It hasn't really lost market share at this moment, but it's leveling off. And Samsung is re considered one of the fastest growing mobile manufacturers out there. Everything from their phablets to uh, to this stuff, they are really kind of creeping up on what Apple thought was their own territory. And given the fact that nowadays with technology, you can replicate what they've done so quickly that you really don't have much of an advantage beyond the first four to six months of a product's lifespan, right? Everything else just becomes also rands unless you want the panache of having the original and the, the, the one that everybody claims works better, the iPhone. But... You know, it's sort of like the fashions. You see them on the runway, and then two weeks later, they're in the lower stores just down the, st down the street from Bloomingdale's. Um, they will be in competition with Apple, I think, for a lo good long time, and it will be the clash of the Goliaths. And if Apple missteps, Samsung will take serious advantage of it, I think. And I think you're right about that, too. So um, go ahead, Chris. We, we will benefit from it. When, when companies battle, we benefit from it. Oh, absolutely. As, as the yeah. consumers. And see, so, that, that's, why, that's why I keep bringing Samsung stories up. Not because, you know, because let's be honest, this is a mobile story, right? This is, this is Samsung and Apple battling out about mobile devices. 
But last week we talked about the fact that, that Samsung bought into uh, Sharp for 3%, right? They, now they own 3% of Sharp. Um, this week we're talking about Samsung and, and Apple. All of this stuff eventually will get to us, right? It'll get to us in the way of Samsung's displays and Samsung's other technologies that will, they will bring to the AV market. You know, Chris mentions the fact that, that glass is, is going to affect us. I think this, the, the, the whole movement towards mobile is also going to affect us in boardrooms and, and, and education classrooms. It really will. So the outcome of this, of this lawsuit and whatever else Samsung develops in the mobile world is going to directly affect us somehow, some way. Um, in the well, I mean, go ahead. Look at the fact that Samsung is also one of the major major players in the Pico and micro projector markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as the lumens get up, I mean, what are they saying now? I think some of them get up to two, three, maybe four hundred lumens on these things. Mm-hmm. Granted, they're not high def at this moment in the way that we would like to see them. But how far of a you know of a, of a development cycle really is it away from being that? They are a serious threat on all those fronts, definitely. No, they definitely are. Hey, Tim, I'm sitting at my couch playing with my phone. The next thing I know, my TV's showing me an alert on screen. Why? Because my phone is interacting with my TV, and yeah. I didn't even know it. You know, I'm sending wireless images from my phone to my Samsung TV, and I'm going, wow, this is, I guess, what uh, AirPlay does, uh, or whatever the Apple TV thing does with the iPads. It, I mean, this it, is... it does, but, you're, but you, you, you have eliminated, that's the, another neat thing, is you've eliminated a completely separate... Uh, uh, device the the um, uh, Apple TV, so you don't need that to do that with the Android with the Samsung. Seriously, to do that with with an iOS device, you have to have an intermediary. That's the Apple TV. But I can use my iOS device on any TV with the Apple TV, where yeah. where he's yeah. limited to the Samsung devices, and that's that's where the real differentiator is. Is that that now my platform can move onto any display device. I can, and I've actually done that in the past. I've taken my Apple TV with me and done presentations, plugged it into the HDMI port in our conference table and used my iPad to, to give the presentation. So but that's, not, ahead, that's not necessarily true though, because uh, you can use an iOS device or an Android device of any manufacturer on an LG display, for example, and their wireless interactivity will pick up the photos and music and put it right on the display. Oh, no, that's but what see, I wasn't aware of. But see, here's the thing, though, guys. Whether it's 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 Josh and the LG or, or mm-hmm. Chris and the and the Samsung or you and the and the iOS, we're all talking about a a a manufacturer specific. No, right. a manufacturer specific technology, right? None of these guys are sharing with each other. None of these guys are are, are creating any standards. And and don't yell at me for saying the word standards, uh, mm-hmm. bec- because here's the thing: they're all. You know, you, whether it's you ha- you have to buy an LG, right, or I have to buy an Apple TV and, and integrate into the iOS world, or I have to get a Samsung and a Samsung phone, there's not really anybody who is wrapping everybody together and saying, we can do wireless with anybody. Well, I'm going to go well, back to what true, I've said though. for... That's not... Yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Josh. Oh, sorry. I'm just a little excited being the no, new no, guy. No, no, no. Go for it. You have the D, D, you guys know about the DNA, DLNA movement, which is yeah. the, mm-hmm. the, so that's that's the future. I mean, yep. all the devices are starting to put DLNA into their technology, uh, and I, I don't see that being the case. I see that being the trend. I definitely believe that that's going to be the movement where soon it won't matter. All phones, televisions, refrigerators, coffee pots, it won't matter. Just about everything <laughs> will talk to itself, and I think the DLNA is going to be that standard. I'm I mean, sorry. anything with XMBC is essentially able to open up a portal and accept these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, two things to consider. One is who's the number one TV in the homes right now? It's Samsung. 
-hmm. when it comes to you go to any of these big box sellers they'll tell you samsung is our biggest seller you know um they're they're there apple wants it has been back and forth with tvs they've been focusing on apple tv to stay agnostic from the whole tv thing but if they come out with a tv they're going to push the envelope for what you can do more interesting things. And that's where we're benefiting, benefiting mm -hmm. from it, is that if they develop the TV, Samsung's going to try to one-up it. And, man, I'm going to be sitting home with everything going through my TV. It's going to be great. <laughs> I, I think they actually they've dropped the ball on that. And they had, they had a, a window of opportunity over there. Um, and it, I'm not naive enough to think that they don't have a TV somewhere in Cupertino, right? They've got a, a display somewhere. In, in California that they've been developing. They had a sweet spot. Uh, shortly after after uh, Steve Jobs passed away, probably within that first year, everybody and their brother was expecting some sort of device, and it would have hit like a rocket. You had the, the death of the Apple founder. You have all this expectation, all this anticipation, all this built-up, pent-up demand, and then nothing, right? Uh, we're a year and a half you know, past his, his passing, I think that they've missed, they haven't missed the book entirely. I think they've missed a, a prime opportunity. If if they do bring up one now, it'll be like, well, you know what, you're a, you're a bit late. So yeah. they're focusing on the watch, and <laughs> it, it, the Dick it, Tracy it, we, watch. We, yeah, yeah. We can all you know, we can all laugh about it, but I'm not looking at the watch as a timepiece or you know my phone on my watch or my wrist on my wrist and stuff like that. I'm seeing that. There is also a trend with the fuel bands and with uh, with telemedicine and stuff like that, oh, where people are interacting, you know, in Japan with the urinals, for example, that take your blood sugar count. This, I think they may go that way, and that's just me speculating, but, you know, every discussion online that I've, that I've uh, watched on videos and uh, things I've attended in person, where they're talking about this stuff, everything now is going to go through your mobile. And whether it's on your wrist, which is easier for people to keep track, I mean, you're going to be able to, you know, with your phone, scan a piece of fruit and it can tell you, you know, that's good for your diet because it's on your plan that's linked to your system at home. And your doctor's telling you it's okay, you can have four of those a day, you know what I'm saying? Or that candy bar. You know, that that's where it's going to go with the watch, I think. I don't think it's just so much, hey, let me, you know, let me FaceTime somebody or call somebody, which is our first knee-jerk reaction or something like that. I just think it's, it's now going to start getting into – like a medical uh, thing, and, and and since it's attached to you, what better way to get all sorts of readings like uh, you know blood pressure and stuff like that? So, Chris, we, I'm stopping. We, we, we've we've met each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. You you do you think I need that? <laughs> do you think I want that? No, no. I need that. Don't don't misunderstand. Do you think I want some stupid watch telling me you shouldn't be eating that fatty? <laughs> No, 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 but but, but CES fork all over again. Yeah. That's right, that's right. But Chris is he he's alluding to something that's even bigger than that, and that is insurance companies and and reductions in rates and all that kind of stuff. Uh, moving on uh, from CE Pro, Lutron has entered the cloud. Actually, dun, dun, dun. Um, what they've got is a cloud-based home control system, um, and it, it reminds me an awful lot. Of getting a Nest, and Nest is the is the wireless networked um, thermostat you have in your, in your house. Not you, but people have in their house. Uh, that people reminds of it reminds them of of Apple products because of how well they're integrated. Lutron has entered into this space. Uh, George, are you surprised that they've they've entered, or it, was it time for them to get in? Um, and it's you know they're going to do well because it's you know it's Lutron and it's lights and stuff. 
you know, I think I expected them to do it sooner. I'm surprised they didn't do it, but they were giving such mixed signals for so long that I wasn't clear where they think they. I think they think they thought they were going. Oof. Say that part again. Diagram that sentence out. Yeah. Uh, no, don't. It hurt my brain to say it the first time. Um, um, I'm not sure they knew where they wanted to go, or at least they weren't telling us. I think it's a very wise choice because there's a lot of people out there that don't understand how to make it work within their house. And this cloud concept, using a VNC, having them register the domain for you, puts all the work in their end, which is a nice little added value service they can provide, as well as their dealers can provide. Uh, I think it's something that a number of companies have been trying to do, mainly because there's been a bunch of upstarts who said, hey, we can do this over the web. Uh, there's a couple, I think, that was going to be, what, ad-based? If you mm -hmm. get it, they'll put ads on your panels, but they'll do it for free. As silly as that sounds, it's still a threat to these companies, and this is a really good way to get themselves into the technology and offer a service that no one really wants to deal with in the long run. Chris, uh, you like George, you're, you're surprised that it took them so long to get into this business or this part of the business? Into the res residential side? No, 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 no not, not uh, no, not right. But the the, the cloud-based stuff. No, uh, you know what? I think they were just looking for the right thing. It, what happens with Nest is Nest opened up the door for hey, there's people out there that want this, and I think a lot of companies just, stood, just sat back and said, you know what, that that is pretty cool. Let's let's work on something like that. Let's bring it to the lights. It's interesting. I I, I still use you know on-off switches in my house. I mean, I I don't have a <gasps> integrated. You don't. Uh, no, not yet. Maybe I should, uh, so I could be cool. I, I don't know, but the the whole thing with Lutron, I what's it going to do for the commercial application? That's my I want to see that because every time that a product is released, whether it's Lutron, whether it's Nest, whether whatever it is, and one of the executives uh, that I do business with gets that at their house, the next question comes: Can we do it here? And here being the office. And that's a that's a that's a complicated uh, discussion to have. And see, maybe but, that maybe that's why I, I, I'm asking because it, it, Lutron is you know uh, it's a quality lighting company. Mm -hmm. um, this whole Savant Nest um, you know Control Four move into Sonos, uh, it move into the consumerization of automation and AV. Um, putting things in the cloud and making things, you know, just one click or two click simple. You're right because we talk, we've talked about this before where a lot of times consumer, the consumer market is driving a lot of what we do in, in the pro market. Um, is that, is this the same thing where Lutron moving into the cloud and, and lighting into the cloud and wirelessly, is that going to push guys like you and, and your CEO, you know, your, your CEO walks in and says, Neto, I want to be able to do this and this and this because I can do it in my house now. That's when I start, you know, tap dancing around that question because <laughs> there's well, just not, that... I, there's just way too many people I got to bring in to answer that question other than myself. You know, well, doesn't the main question? I'm sorry. Go please. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Doesn't the, doesn't the main question come like what is the IT department in a business going to say about it? And that's really uh -huh. no matter what the CEO wants, isn't that where it's going to really stem from? Oh, who cares what the IT guys say? I would not answer that question without hey. an IT representative <laughs> next to me. Honestly, I can't. I can't answer that question. They, mm. Those guys in the IT side are battling BYOD. Yeah. You know, 
it's beyond just a mobile device and an iPod. You know, you're, you're, you will start getting requests if they haven't already. People that are doing, you know, uh, commercial support at, at a, com- you know, at a corporate location or university and stuff, you're gonna start getting requests. Can I put a Nest in my office? Yeah. Because I want to change the temperature. It's too hot in here. Why can't I control it from my cell phone? Now these are very, you know. You know, these are integrated HVAC systems, and they're looking for that flexibility. And that's the thing with, with design in in the corporate world is that people are still designing buildings for the corporation. Yet, everybody on the that are meeting with the end users are saying, "We're going to make this as comfortable as possible. This is going to be like your living room, your home office. We're going to make it, you know, casual." Well, casually, they want to control the temperature of the room. Now what? What do you do? Hey, IT guy, HVAC guy, facilities guy, can you come up here and answer this one? Because I don't know where to start. This is not an AV issue. There's no display on this one. So <laughs> it, it, it gets it gets crazy. But going back to the Lutron thing, Lutron is a major player in the commercial lighting side. So this is they're going to make that they're going to make a push on that side too. Well, it, Michael, it, Chris makes a good point. They're also their Lutron is not only home but also professional. Is this something where do you think maybe they're testing the waters? With with commercial with, with with rather with with residential and the and the the cloud based and they're going to make something that IT guys and AV guys and everybody can be happy with. Potentially, I mean, I think we've seen that residential consumer tends to drive the commercial side of the business, right? And and that's with most technologies that consumer demand is going to drive what happens in the workplace. And and it's just like you said, the CEO comes in and says, "Hey, I want to do this, make it happen." And the IT guys are like, "Yeah, but it's not secure. I look, I want to be able to control my thermostat from home, figure out a way to make it work." Right? No. And and then that's that's how it goes. And and you know, I've been in those shoes. I'm sure that Josh has too in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's a proven technology and they can get it down to a, a science that is stable, reliable, and, and it's something that facilities managers are going to find tremendous value in and that there's an ROI to it, that's the key, right? You make that happen and yeah, you're going to start seeing it roll out in the, in the commercial world. What is this ROI that you speak of? Return on investment. Whatever. Man. I work in education. We have no. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But you got to think too from the from the corporate world. You know things are things are running leaner and thinner and more efficient. It's all about how much can I do with as few heads as possible, so that I can maximize my profits, no, lower my prices to the consumer market, increase volume on my products and services. Well, all that comes back to what's it cost me to to run my facility? What's my my administrative overhead? What's my corporate overhead, right? And the things that I can put in place to reduce that are going to help me in positioning myself better to the consumer market in whatever sector I serve. So if Lutron can bring some things to the table that are going to be on par and competitive with the big players in this space, and that's the Johnson Controls, the Honeywells, Mm -hmm. and those guys, that's a whole nother world that you're walking into. And even though Lutron's a big player in the automated lighting space, and that we see them a lot in integrated AV systems and conference rooms and video conferencing facilities, um, they're not near the size of somebody like a Johnson or a Honeywell when it comes to building automation and control. So if they're going to go head-to-head in the corporate space, they're going to have to really step it up to get to that level. Yeah, that's, that is true. Uh, all right, you are listening to AV Week. Thank you so much for doing so. That gentleman right there is Michael Drainer, Area Sales Manager for Sennheiser USA. Also with us is new college graduate. Uh, he has an AV degree, and we'll talk to him about that again. Uh, his name is Joshua Stackhouse from American Television, Chris Netto from AV Help Desk, and George Tucker from World Stage. Uh, this comes to us by way of an interesting website called Digital Trends, and 
uh, it, it's something that it's a good, it's an interesting question, and and we're going to kick it off um, with George here. The question is this: Is why haven't biometrics replaced passwords? The reason I, I, I bring that up is because a number of automation and control companies, uh, AMX and Crestron being two of them, they have biometric capabilities on their touch panels. Uh, I, they've had them for at least three or four years that I'm aware of, uh, and they may have even had it before then. So, George, we'll kick it off with, off with you. Is there a reason that we haven't uh, incorporated more biometric controls uh, into you know some of our AV integration or AV automation systems? Uh, I think there's two, really. Um, one being that they're not as nearly reliable as movies and sci-fi would like us to think they are. Uh, there's lots of factors environmentally that make them sometimes uh, not so accurate. Anything from dust, dirt, noise, depending on which one you're using, voice or fingerprint or eye. And they can be fooled fairly easily these days still. Uh, and, and I think the second one to really put a nail in it is that if you lose your biometric ID, you can't replace it. You're off the grid. You know, you're off the grid because you can you can get yourself a new password. You can come up with something kooky, but you know you lose that digit. How many digits can you use? I mean, it's a great thing that people think should be the answer, but even with laptops, I mean, I've seen people fake it out a number of times. Okay, I never thought about losing a finger. And it happens though. Yeah. And George brings up a good point. In my previous life as an integrator, we had a AV arm and a, and a very substantial security arm. Did a lot of government and um, type work where biometrics and card access systems and all kinds of different stuff were in place. And I had a technician come to me and I was talking to him about um, security for a Crestron system. And they were wanting to use it for like door access and stuff like that. And then there were biometrics involved and all this stuff. And he started showing me examples of how you can spoof these biometric scanners and talked about some of the facilities throughout the U.S. where these things are installed that, you know, people get this sensation of security, but it's really not as secure as you think it is. And it can be spoofed. It can be fooled. And that's why you have to work through layers. So is there a place for biometrics? Maybe. But... You know, like George said, it can be spoofed, it can be faked, and there are ways to get around it and the reliability factor, right? I mean, let's face it, we're humans, we are biological in nature, we change, and even though no two fingerprints are supposed to be the same, right, how do you make sure you're getting that two-dimensional read every time exactly the same? You can't. But I want my retina, dis- my, my, my retina scanner thingy. Sure. All right. Well, Tim, you know, as an IT guy for the Navy for four years, I can't tell you the number of times where people would call me and ask me to reset their password, and their former password was still password from the last time that I reset it. I mean, I don't think that biometrics is necessarily going to be more secure just because it's biologically unique. I think it's really a time for people to understand the dangers that are out there and just use better passwords. Thank you. But here's the thing, though. Okay, I am not... I guess I am the apologist here for, or the evangelist here for biometrics. Isn't a fingerprint or a retina display or whatever else better than password for your password or no? Am I no. just being, it's mm. not oh, no. lovely. Okay. No, I've never been up. hacked ever. I've had my Twitter account hacked and I don't know how once. And that's because uh, something weird happened. But uh, other than that instance, I've never had anything hacked ever. And I've never used passwords shorter than eight characters long, and I've always used the standard 
non-letter, one number, capital letter thing. And I don't use words like love or my daughter's name. I don't have a daughter, but hmm. I mean, hmm. the people that do or their dog's name or whatever, I don't use simple passwords because I understand what's at risk and I don't get any trouble. I, just, I think that's the problem. People just don't think about the security of their information. So Josh, former IT guy, but talking to former IT guy, and let's educate Tim a little bit here. Brute force attacks on passwords, right? Dictionary words, number sequences, date schemes. Those are the things that people use all the time to hack into accounts. And, and like you said, if, if people would just understand, one, layers of security, changing passwords on a regular basis, using secure passwords, like you said, you know, things that, are, that you can't reference in a book somewhere. I mean, that goes leagues ahead of where you can go in securing things with biology. Is that correct? Yeah, it's true. Although it's interesting, though, that you'll still find stuff like Chase Bank. I, I bank with Chase Bank. They don't let me use non-letter, non-number characters in my passwords, which right. is frustrating. Mm. Yes, I agree. So, so Josh, what is your password? <laughs> it's uh, and, one, and, right? and your, and two, your bank account. Yeah, yeah, and your bank account. Three. And your social security number. And, all right. Start again. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, my, you my know what? Ran out of ink. You know what? Actually, that's uh, something I just thought we should probably do a security show and talk about AV security. I don't think that's a bad idea. It's not a bad mm. idea. Hmm. hmm. I have to get somebody I on like that. It. Yeah. He's All looking right. at me. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> of course, I brought it up. <laughs> um, from Commercial Integrator, uh, the fine folks at CI, comes a well written uh, piece by our friend, Mr. Chris Neto. He went to the NSCA BLC, and if you don't know what BLC is, that is the Business Leadership Conference. Uh, what I find interesting is the subtitle, An Integrator's Tale of How NSCA Defied His Previous Notion of Industry Conferences. Mr. Neto, did you have a good time? I did. It sounds like it. Seriously, in all, in all seriousness, the, the, the piece goes on to say uh, why uh, you, you, uh, this, this particular conference kind of restored your faith in in uh, industry conferences yeah uh as somebody who has spent a lot of time in the in the corporate av world um you know i've done a lot of conferences for corporations sitting there you know watching the levels on a you know the microphones go up and down and stuff like that and it's not related to me or i've had to as being an employee of of, of a fortune 500 uh and in the av i'm sitting there listening to a presenter brought in to speak to the company and it has nothing to do with me because i'm an av guy working for a pharmaceutical company um so my idea of conferences, like I said in the article, you know, I have a bad stigma. It's, it's usually the overhyper people with a lot of flip charts and crazy drawers. And I'm funny, but you're not, you know, one of those. It's it, I've had a bad, a lot of bad experiences. Now, I don't look at Infocom, the show, as a conference. I see that more as trade show, mm -hmm. a conference where I'm going to go and sit and listen to presenters. I've never really truly sat in a conference where it was geared towards AV or AV minded people. So the audience in, that is at the NSEA conference is all AV people, low voltage, uh, AV integrators, uh, manufacturers. And the quality of the presenters were actually really, really good. And they, they did study up on what we were. They just didn't go up there and say, hey, you guys make TVs or hey, you install TVs. They, they, they got where we were and they understood that we're doing various things in the in the tech industry and i was pretty impressed because a lot of it was business related with an av angle so you had presenters up there like peter sheehan who went up and said 
stop operating the way you've been for the last 50 years. It may have worked, but it's a new day and age. And you cannot relate. Sorry, you cannot rely on you know the way it was or the way we've always done business as a way to continue and prospering as a business into the future. And what he was getting at was the mindset. You know, Josh is on the line and you know on the on the call with us. You know, the idea of how they hired people. You know, that's that was that's even brought up. Like, you're not just going to get ideas from your engineer. Listen to your technicians. Listen to the guys that are out in the field. You know, it's it, it was it, it was great to hear somebody else say that, you know, and watch CEOs and executives of companies listen and take notes. Yeah. So. And that's the one thing I wanted to say is and also ask these guys, you know, when it comes to getting together, I mean, uh, all of us have busy schedules and stuff like this. But, you know, George, how do you. I mean, besides doing this this show with me on a regular basis, um, what do you do to not necessarily network, but also learn from other guys in the industry? Well, that's a pretty comprehensive question. I mean, there's I'm everything sorry. from going to these trade shows and seminars, uh, you know, to networking online. Look, how did we meet? Google Plus. We wanted to try a Hangout. Yeah. It all started at a 50,000-watt Google Hangout. You know, I mean networking is really what you make of it and finding your 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 industry associates where they're gathering and i think you, I, I can't believe you had such a bad opinion chris cuz most of them are pretty darn good yeah uh, well no it's it was conferences in general george it's just yeah. i i've been the beaten dog when it comes to that you know just there's only so many uh, medical conferences that you're sitting in and working in and i'm just like oh uh, not another conference. And when you walk into it, you know, you're expecting, you know, you see the schedule. Like I said in the thing, it was from 7 to 9 o'clock. I'm like, oh, my God, presentations and flow charts and Excel spreadsheets with font that's way too small. I can see it. It was just my paranoia of conferences. And they definitely did a good job of changing that perspective. It was a very interesting, very good conference. And at, we're constantly involving the AV people. The audience was involved in presentations, in the meeting discussions. And then during these like uh, break times, it was people talking shop. And I haven't had that experience, I guess. That's the one thing that, that uh, I want to encourage people because Infocom is coming up on us very shortly. I have, I have some friends who are doing presentations. They're, they're teaching, um, you know, teaching some sessions, you know, keep, keep mm. people involved. You know, um, the one thing I did, part of my uh, other, one of my other three or four lives, uh, I'm a part-time instructor at a couple of different colleges here in St. Louis, and that's one thing you have to do. You have to get the audience, whether it's uh, a 19 or 20-year-old uh, student or it's a 45-year-old, you know, um, AV professional. You have to keep them keep them involved, and you have to keep them um, interested. Interested, and so interacting with them uh, and getting their brain going, I think, is is imperative. So. All right, uh, gentlemen, that's going to do it uh, for this week. Uh, with us has been Mr. Joshua Stackhouse. Josh, tell us again where your brand new AV degree is from and how people can find out about it. Uh, well, my degree is from Madison Media Institute, which is located surprisingly in Madison, Wisconsin. You're kidding me. I know. It's, it's a mystery. Uh, when did they move it there? <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right after twink, uh, right, right after Hostess uh, closed. Oh wait a minute, that's that's Madison, Dolly Madison. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can find them at uh, mediainstitute.edu. And the Twinkies uh, coming at, back. I, 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 
<laughs> Sorry, Josh. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I was more of a fan of the little Debbie snack cakes, anyhow. So uh, I like I like zingers. So. <laughs> but uh, or just for Chris, tasty cakes. Since you're up there in the Northeast. Ah, yeah, uh, very nah. nice. Yeah, the pastries but, uh, man from the bakery. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, you can reach them on Twitter at Madison Media, and uh, and I guess while I'm at it, you guys can check me out at Stackhouse AV on Twitter. Um, or read me on uh, AV Shout with Red Band Blogging with Chris. And don't you have a blog coming up? I do, actually. I have a post that I'm about to release, as Chris um, nodded to. Uh, just in the interest of disclosure, Chris is my uh, my evil overlord. Uh, I mean, editor. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, been coaching me and getting me out there. And so I'm about to write this piece that should be published uh, before this goes live uh, on the Internet. Uh, about what it was like to try to find a job uh, in AV uh, when no one really understands what a degree is like in the AV. Um, so that's uh, going to be an interesting piece for uh, you guys to check out to really see what the experience uh, was. Um, so, yeah. And that's a, that's an AV shout. So Yes. Speaking of AV, AV shout, Mr. Chris Netto, the AV consultant uh, with AV Help Desk, uh, how, people can, how can people find you and, and things about you? Uh, I'm easily found all over uh, on Twitter and uh, at, at underscore uh, Chris underscore Neto. Uh, you can get a hold of me on AV Help Desk via the AV Help Desk website is uh, www.avhelpdesk.com. And no, there will not be any young Padawan uh, lightsaber battles uh, going on anymore. Josh, you are on your own. You've you've made it. So just Yay. give me that article. <laughs> yeah, just give me the yeah, article. <laughs> get, get in the article. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. George Tucker uh, from Tucker. For, yeah, he, he, I almost did your Tucker Twos for you. Uh, he's from World Stage. How can people find you, sir? I am Tucker Twos on Twitter, and you can find me by that handle almost anywhere else. But it's Tucker Twos at TypePad.com and other fine publications like the Red Band on Inclu Inc Yes, sorry, I, I almost choked there. <laughs> Including Red Band, although I think I'm uh, I'm I'm the errant bad stepchild here because I. Uh, Chris and I have been talking so much, and I just I haven't produced. I'm sorry, sir. I'm glad I'm not in the same room right now. <laughs> I, I will say though, the um, who is it? John, uh, John, uh, John Siaka has been writing some very interesting things uh, on on AV Shout, and I'll just you should check it out. I'll just put it that way. Uh, and and last but not least, Mr. Michael Drainer uh, from Sennheiser, USA. You just like saying it like that. Don't I you? do. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> I'm jealous, but I'm very proud of you. Hey, Michael. Yes, sir. It is properly pronounced Sennheiser, right? That is correct. What am I Good. saying? I have, I have a no. I have a running battle with somebody I've worked with for over twenty years, Mr. Mike DeRosa. If you're listening, this is how you pronounce it, not Sennheiser. <laughs> pronounces it Sennheiser, as in the it's sun. For fifteen years. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, how do you pronounce it, Michael? Sennheiser. Sennheiser. Or if you want thank to put you. the German can't. I don't it. want to. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Bavarian enough. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. How can people find you? At Michael Drainer on Twitter. And uh, please visit SennheiserUSA.com. Woohoo! Also, Michael just uh, recorded something for the fine folks at uh, Full Compass. Um, he, uh, he, he's, he's, an, he's a video internet star now, guys. Uh, <laughs> go, to, go to Full Compass and, uh, and type in Sennheiser. Uh, uh, what was it? Gearcast. Gearcast. Yeah. Gearcast. And he, he does a video presentation of one of their projects. So check that out. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. If you would like to follow me, um, seek medical attention, 
Uh, but uh, it is a TD, Tim David Albright, on Twitter, but more importantly for me and all the fine folks that helped put this thing together. Uh, go by the website, avnation.tv. avnation.tv, you'll find this show, uh, apparently a security AV show coming soon. Uh, George uh, has a, a, a brand new live life coming down the pike. We've got education. We've got uh, the Infocom today that we do uh, twice a month. So check it out, avnation.tv avnation.tv thanks so much for listening that's all the time we have for AV Week